Fulhamish is back for the season by Labbrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Extra. My name is Sammy James. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC. Hope you had a nice FFC free weekend. Uh, We're doing a special Fulhamish Extra today. Uh, to talk all about Stop the Greed. Our day of action is happening on Saturday, uh, so we're going to be looking ahead to that and all the implications of ticket prices this season. I know we've mentioned it lots and lots of times. Uh, We're also going to be previewing the Man City game and I'm going to be speaking to David Mooney, uh, the aptly named David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast. Uh, Joining me today to chat all things Stop the Greed has been my aficionado all the way on this subject, Farrell Monk. Hello there, everyone. How was your football-free weekend? Well, my football-free weekend wasn't very football-free considering I I played two football games. The Saturday was the first ever Fulhamish FC or AFC Fulhamish. There's a bit of discussion about uh, whether which name is going to stick uh, in a a lovely little friendly. And then on Sunday I had my own Sunday league game. So football-free wasn't exactly free. Football-watching free. Yes, football watching free. Although it was a lovely, lovely match last night with uh, Holland versus Germany, which was uh, which was great. To, I didn't to catch soak that. In. How did Ryan Babble play? Uh, I didn't turn it on until after half time, and he'd already been subbed off. So I'm going to say that he did so well that they wanted to give the Germans a go. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, make it fair and all of that. Uh, yeah, I should say that it was the first AFC Fulhamish game on Saturday. I initially called it Fulhamish FC and was uh, promptly told off by Jack that Fulham F- FC is not what we should be calling ourselves. So, OK. Um, and we played a team, Friends of Fulhamish, basically, um, a bunch of mates who we could get together uh, as quickly as possible. Played them at Hurlingham Park in Fulham and uh, Fulhamish came out 3-1 victors, which was nice. There was a controversial moment in the first half. Uh, Friends of Fulhamish went 1-0 up. A friend of the pod, Billy Murphy, uh, scored a shinner. And then Jeff Bruce, Farrell's mate, might know him, he, he, uh, he works for the club, got a penalty to make it 2-0, hit the penalty... It came back off the post, straight to him, and he rebounded it in. And after much discussion with the referee, of course, it's disallowed. And rightly so, Farrell. Yeah, I mean, those are the rules. Um, he was not happy. No, he wasn't. And there's been a little discussion ever since. Uh, but we've put that one to bed now. And uh, hopefully we can get on the re- with our lives. Rules are rules. And then, yeah, uh, a goal for myself, uh, set up by, uh, wonderfully assisted by Jack Collins. I had to do little but uh, else other than flick it on. And then two goals from David Preston. Uh, got the goal, uh, got the win for Fulhamish FC. So uh, it was a good one. Anyway, we, we must uh, digress, uh, get on to the Stop the Greed stuff. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. And also shout out to our friends at Putney Pies, the finest pies in all of the land. And you can get 10% off your food uh, when you get your bill. Just say who ate all the pies at the checkout. So uh, I guess Saturday against Man City would be a perfect one uh, to attend. It is a lunchtime to kick off. So either you could go for a very, very early pie or probably better. Uh, I'd suggest going after the game. Um, bit of a late lunch. Get yourself a pie. Get yourself a discount. Mention Fulhamish. Everyone's a winner. So Farrell, um, Saturday isn't really very important on the pitch for Fulham uh, we could influence the title race uh, I've already seen a few people suggest that should we just let City win this so that Liverpool don't win the league I'm not sure I'm fully in that camp um, 
but it is our day of stop the greed we started this just over a month ago uh we've got banners we've got flyers we've got stickers everything's coming out to the fore on saturday and hopefully it will be uh, a big monumental day in the push to reverse some of these soaring ticket prices that we're seeing yeah and you you put it quite quite nicely in the sense that um it's more important than what's happening on the pitch that you know the club isn't just all about what happens on the on the blades of grass surrounded by the wonderful craven cottage it's 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 more than that it's the 25 and a half thousand fans that go go to these games that it is more important than that and you know fulham is a community after all and football as a community should come together and and look at what's what Fulham have done this season and say we won't be taken taken for for mugs here um and you know it it harms the friendships and the families that use football as as a way of coming together that it's 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 not you know it's not happening anymore you know i i've been putting some stuff out today trying to encourage people to get involved and and spreading the word about what you know this 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 cause that we've been trying to do and this isn't just something that has happened over the past month that we you know we launched the stop the greed um this time last month and this has been months months and months and months of work um you know we first raised the issue to the fulham supporters trust who then took it to the club back in september which is right at the start of the season um and you know it's been we have seen by the movements of the club that it has 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 not changed anything and we really want to we really want to show the club that you know this isn't something that's going to go away this is something that we absolutely believe in that is something that's really really important to us not just me and Sammy sitting across the table not just to the season ticket holders but um not just to Fulham fans themselves but to the wider football community because you know, there might be other clubs out there and say, well, if they can get away with charging fans a lot of money, maybe we can too. And hopefully the Manchester City fans will, will look at it and, and you know, it's, it's a game that's on Sky Sports and is going to be viewed by millions of people, um, not just um, in the UK, but around the world and show that um, football is more about what's on the pitch. Yeah, indeed. I mean, so our plan on Saturday... Um, we have these three very long banners that have been made. Um, we've really, you know, tried to think about this as much as we can. This is all new territory uh, for a lot of us. <laughs> I didn't really sign up to become uh, protester in chief when I created a podcast uh, nearly three years ago. But here we are. Um, times change and unexpected things happen. So we've got these three long banners. Uh, I'm not sure whether we're going to reveal the wording of them yet, but you know they're not offensive, they're not um, inflammatory, but they do put across the point well that we can't afford to price out our fan base, and and obviously stop the greed is on there. It's the hashtag that unexpectedly ha- has flown, and so many people have got it. I still see people with it in their Twitter names, and and it's absolutely fantastic. The the amount of support that is is, is grown behind that 
particular hashtag. We're then going to be handing out uh, 10,000 flyers to Fulham fans on Saturday. So uh, we're going to have an army of volunteers of which we need help. Obviously, there is the Fulhamish team, but uh, we're hoping to recruit some more people to hand out uh, these flyers. So we'll um, we'll give some more details towards the end of the podcast and it'll be online as well. Uh, details if you want to come and help uh, flyer, it would be massive, massively appreciated because to to get rid of 10,000 flyers in a short space of time when everyone arrives at the ground is is a difficult task um, no matter how many people you've got out there so the more people the better really Uh, and then there is a smattering of stickers uh, going around (laughs) as well and I think Jack Kelly and Don Betts uh, seem to have commandeered most of the stickers so see them and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll sort you out with a few of those but as I I did an interview with football.london earlier um, uh, did an interview with Phil Spencer on the phone and, and he asked me what kind of protest is this going to be and the first word that came to my mind is I just wanted it to be respectful a bit dignified I, I don't want something that's really ugly and violent because I don't think the set the situation necessarily permits that yet it's it's a peaceful protest we're here we're trying to say our message we're trying to get a point across we're not throwing tennis balls onto the pitch or throwing a pig's head at anybody like that we just want to make our point loud and proud and and this in conjunction with hopefully what's the results from the football uh Fulham supporters trust survey which comes out uh, this week, hopefully, the results of that for me I'm just hoping it's a bit of a home run the the combination of factors. Yeah, the 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 messages that we continually get from from fans that we know and fans that we've spoken to in regards to this issue is that you know I've I've seen many stories of I wanted to be a season ticket holder this season I couldn't get a hold of hold of one especially post Wembley so I thought I'd just get the odd ticket here and there this season and then they they haven't been able to because they've been priced out of it um, when I put up the message on on the on the much the the infamous Fulham Facebook group earlier there was a there was a message from Richard Coombs who gave two examples of fans with that exact situation that's just one fan who knows two people who have either gone well one of them has only been to one game this season uh, one home game this season that was the home game against Oldham because it was cheap enough for him to afford um, whereas in previous seasons he's been more than happy to to pay a reasonable and affordable price for a, for a ticket. Um, and you know that's just that's just one person who knows two people and you think of the thousands of other Fulham fans that that might know other people they might know two people and hopefully and we're we're certainly confident the fact that the Fulham uh, Fulham supporters trust survey will come out with with the result that we all know and it's something that will just embolden our message that, that we're making to the club here you know it is going to obviously going to be a peaceful protest and whatnot but we're quite clearly going to show to them that you know we're willing to go that extra mile to to show how important it is to to us supporters and how important it is to the to the wider footballing community indeed and and one thing that uh, a few people have said to me oh well, there's actually two things that have been i guess a commonly asked question uh, in response to this um the first one is well i have a season ticket how does it affect me and not necessarily people going like, oh, it's their problem, not mine. But genuinely people are wondering, well, does this mean if it's cheaper match day prices, then the the savings will be levied onto season ticket holders? Which which I hope 
isn't the case and i don't think necessarily should be the case i think that fulham should be commended for their reasonable price season tickets certainly before wembley after wembley uh, once we were in the premier league was a little bit of a scandal but i guess the argument what there was you had a chance to buy them at a good rate and i know some people that junior junior season tickets they pay 60 pounds and that that's that's incredible but what would you say to those that are a bit i'm all right jack um in this situation i'm all right farrell oh yeah (laughs) um you know i think this does affect the 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 wider the wider club when things don't go right on the pitch especially when you consider that obviously things haven't gone right this season and there's something to be said which we'll probably come on to a bit later about whether this has come out not just because of what's happening off the pitch but what's happening on the pitch but you know when Fulham go down to the championship and the club needs more revenue in there that they have lost quite considerable number of fans that probably would have turned up to a few games this season not turning up next season especially since they think they can get away with this this match ticket prices that you know the season tickets won't the season ticket holders won't return next year the the people that might buy the odd match ticket won't return next year anyway um and obviously attendance is going to fall i think the average i did some a bit of analysis of the um average attendances over the past uh 18 seasons or so and our average attendance going from uh the premier league down to the championship actually decreased by 5000 which was actually way more than the three relegated clubs from last season um I'm, i mean i haven't gone into the analysis on on how and why but that's a huge drop off of of tickets um and you know it's definitely a much larger effect when you're in the championship when you know you you've got far less tv money um, to to work with, um, and therefore you've got to um, try and cover a lot of like the costs that are involved in running a football club with a lot less means, i.e., you yeah. know, ticket prices. You know, getting people through the door. And if you're turning off fans who might have come to a few games in the Premier League because it's it's really you know they would have come to see uh, Premier League football at, at an amazing stadium and they might have come to like two, three, four games and then gone, Do you know, what? I really like it here. I've made some friends and whatnot. I might turn up to them when they're in the championship and the club have decided, well, you, you're not important. Yeah. They've decided what's important is the tourists and the, tri- the day trippers and the, and the away fans for lu- much larger clubs. You know, they've made it really, really easy for away fans to buy tickets this season. I mean, we we spoke about it last week on the on the lost pod in yeah. inverted commas uh, about the amount of Liverpool fans, and I I sit in Johnny Haynes DL, so it's a quite a small block of a few hundred seats, and I counted seven or eight Liverpool fans who got chucked out, and those were the ones who were vocal and were obvious Liverpool fans. There's you know there's no telling about how many ones were sitting there were away fans or, or day trippers in inverted commas. Yeah, that certainly won't be there at Man City on Saturday. They certainly won't be there for any other game remaining this season and they certainly won't be at at Leeds at home next season and they certainly won't be there at Nottingham Forest at home next season and you know that Leeds is one of the few that actually they might be dependent depending yeah. on uh, how necessary uh, how important the game was for them. Uh, the other thing that I see is people saying, "Well, it's going to be cheaper next season anyway." Which what I would say to that is last season it wasn't always that cheap. And maybe, and at the time, I think we maybe raised it after the Brentford game. But I think that was the only time where anyone really took notice because last season was 
was so great and last season was amazing and we were winning and potentially because it wasn't absolutely ludicrous prices but they were still expensive so Brentford at home I think Sunderland fell into the same category towards the end of the season a Hammersmith end ticket was £35 for an adult which compared to this season is much better but still for championship football for a behind the goal ticket I mean everyone used to moan about Leeds United's tickets Mm. and they were £39 side of pitch so it's not that much better, really, yeah. um, considering that uh, away fans were also charged the same reciprocally. And I know Brentford fans were pretty upset about the £35 um, match tickets at Craven Cottage. Not that I'm in the industry of trying to make life easier for any Brentford fan, but still the point remains. Yeah, absolutely. And if you take that game in isolation, just that Fulham-Sunderland game, never in a million years would it be one of our most expensive tickets. It, you know, Demand for Fulham-Sunderland should never be that high unless there's something massively riding on it so they purposefully looked at that game and gone oh do you know what we can charge a little bit extra for for the fans here you know they're gonna they might earned an extra 50 60 grand from that game and they've purely done it for selfish reasons they've purely done it because they know that they can charge us an extra an extra little bit on a friday night in such a you know a big game that's integral to the success of the team you know they've seen an opportunity there they didn't want to get in the best fans or the genuine fans into that game. They wanted to get the get the ones that are willing to pay that much money for that game. And I don't think that's a football club that I, I would like to support. And when you put it in that kind of terms, mm. is that is that a, a club that our genuine fans want to support? Absolutely not. If they're if they're putting revenue ahead of some of our fans that really want to come to their games, then that's just ridiculous. That is not that should not be the mission statement or the ethos of our football club well and also i guess i i i've said this a few times i don't know if i said on the podcast i certainly said it to people that i've spoken to this about you look at that brentford game where we drew 2-2 in the in the uh yeah one all sorry in the in the final minutes and it was far from a sellout that day and it wasn't the greatest atmosphere i've ever Mm. remembered um certainly not what it could have been given the fact it was a, a local derby and it was also a very and very important game for Fulham to win. And just what difference could have it made if it was a completely sold out Craven Cottage? Is that the one extra degree of atmosphere that sees Fulham out in that game? Impossible to know. Absolutely. But you, you just don't know. And I, I can't believe the club in that situation would prioritise a few extra thousand, because that's really all we're talking mm. here, over potential great atmosphere for an absolute banker of a six-point game and the fact that Man City is the third game to sell out at Craven Cottage this season I think says a lot and and whether they are actually interested in creating a great atmosphere or if they're just interested in meeting a few extra targets and whilst I don't think great atmosphere would have saved Fulham this season you, you never know when it could just make the slightest bit of difference and so often players and managers come out and say on those special nights at Craven Cottage when the atmosphere is buzzing they say it makes a difference and it's the cliche 12th man but this pricing policy doesn't encourage that at all you would you would certainly expect there probably wouldn't be as much vitriol that we do hear from some of the fans during the game as well when you raise the ticket price as much as they have 
you know, it, it does create that little bit of sense of expectation rather than, you know, we're supposed to be plucky little Fulham, as patronising it sounds. But, you know, we, we have to mm. remember who we are and where we are and we are punching well above our weight. Um, and if you charge the fans that much money, then you are generally creating that little bit of expectations the same way that spending so much money on, on players is going to create that little bit of extra expectation. Whereas if we acted a bit more sensibly and acted you know, within ourselves that perhaps it would have created a little bit more of a positive atmosphere. Perhaps Slavisa might have kept his job because there wouldn't be as many people, you know, shouting for his head at that particular time. You know, we might, you know, there might be, there might be players talking to other players in the transfer window saying, oh, Fulham have come in for me. What do you think of the club? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know. The fans are a little bit on our backs at the moment because of, because results on the pitch aren't so good. And that's kind of created a little bit of a chain. Yeah. Um, well, we said, didn't we? I think I remember this specific line. We spoke about ticket prices um, kind of late August, early September. I can't exactly remember when. And we said, if Fulham don't do well this season, at this point we had no in, no reason to believe it would be as bad as it was. This could get really, really ugly. And here we are. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember saying at the time that what's really worrying for me was that, I mean, this is talking as a season ticket holder in it and you know I've got a very good very good seat you know I was lucky I've been been sitting in that seat for a long time now and you know I picked it up when season ticket sales and ticket sales weren't weren't as big um that if I didn't if I wasn't a season ticket holder and um I wanted my particular seat the difference in price wise between early bird pre Wembley ticket and getting a season ticket after that was a, an increase of £250, which is a 40% rise. And that was, I remember saying at the time, that's a real worry for me. And that was totally regardless of results in the pitch. And I definitely would be saying the same thing now if Fulham were sitting in first place and we're going for Manchester City for the title. You know, imagine if Fulham had an amazing season and I wasn't able to go because I didn't have the funds available. Yeah. It's, you know, and these are the things that create. I When I was at university... I was fortunate enough that I was able to to afford a season ticket price. I was able to go to some FA Cup games um, and still travel backwards and forwards to go to a game. Say, for example, I I was um, a non-season ticket holder and I was going to university and I still wanted to to go to the odd game here and there. And I wasn't able to see, you know, at that time we had um, the great escape season. We had the season we finished seventh and we had the Europa League season. Imagine I wasn't going to um, imagine if all those people my age who were going to university going all all over the country and I wasn't able to see all those magnificent get games. You know, yeah. it's still wonderful for everyone else as a Fulham fan, but that all that that occasion has kind of robbed from me. Well, there's just so many cases where there are genuine real loyal Fulham fans that don't have season tickets. Tons of them are listening to this Right now, I mean, there's the obvious ones who don't live in the UK. But even if you do live in the UK, I went to Leeds Uni for um, four years and I didn't have a season ticket for any of them because, well, for me, being at university and travelling down to Fulham every two weeks was was a ludicrous way to spend (laughs) my very, very limited funds. Uh, For some reason, for me, it seemed like a a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I couldn't justify it. And I would used to pick and choose. I'd go to a lot of away games because I was up north, but I would pick and choose my home games and I would come home in holidays or for important ones, I'd just pop down for the weekend and I would be paying the full whack. And even then, when tickets were more like 
30 pounds 35 pounds it was it was pretty tough to to stomach when i when i was a student now i mean the fact that there is no student price still Mm. really irked me at the time well the the young person prize which is 19 to 21 i think the premier league say that they have to have it some sort of young person mm. prize for the game this weekend is 50 pounds even if you're in, in in the in the hammersmith end it's 50 pounds in the putney end it's 55 pounds which is unbelievable i mean there's obviously ju- people there's you obviously not justify no that. if you know if you are trying to save your pennies and try and sort of take everything you can from your student loan and part-time jobs to try and follow your team you just look at that and go i ain't going and then once it becomes habit that you're not going for at least three or four games a year then you fall out of love with the club yeah. and then you're ju- you're that person that just goes to 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 wembley i mean i'm not saying you know that's bad or particularly but yeah you know like we're trying to make this sustainable this is not this is an unsustainable thing and it turns people away yeah precisely so there's a few reasons there as to why we think stop the greed is important we've gone on about it and we realize maybe some people are listening like stop going on about the ticket prices but it's something that we really feel important and ahead of this game on saturday we really want to we want to put words into action really we we've we've sat here talking about it talking about it talking about it and and we're fed up talking about it because we want something to get out there so if you're listening to this um Please, please do get involved on Saturday if you're going. I guess that's the irony, <laughs> isn't it? That there will be some people priced out of going on Saturday who can't join in the protest. So, where, but wherever you are, you can get involved because in the days of social media, um, there's so many ways to get in contact. Use the hashtag. Um, you know, give your experiences to the club. Get involved. Tell yeah. them that this matters to you, and it all builds the noise and the volume that this is important and hopefully we'll see some um, results from the Fulham Supporters Trust survey as well. So Farrell, you're kind of leading the logistics for Saturday and and this movement and uh, we have a lot of banners and we have a lot of flyers. Uh, If people do want to come down and help out and and give out flyers and really help spread this message, um, where, when, how, why... (laughs) <laughs> well yeah i mean if you can if you would love to help out and 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 if it would be a massive massive help there's sammy says we've got a lot of flyers that need to be distributed there's obviously there's so much that we can say on social media and whatnot but we want to reach absolutely everyone because this is this is something for every every football fan uh, and they need to know it um so if you can please meet us uh 10 30 by the johnny haynes statue um We'll organise you. We'll put you. We'll put, give you a designated area. We'll we'll give you flyers, and we want people to be vocal because, you know, we need people to be aware of what's going on. You know, we we want you to be there, handing out, shouting, "Stop the greed!" You know, we can't afford to be priced out. We need people to to be able to deliver the message because there are people that are going to stop you and go, "What's this all about? Can you please tell me?" So we need you to be well versed on, on on the clear message. Um, because this is something we should be passionate passionate about. This is something that affects your football club. Indeed. And the banners are going to be shown uh, during the 55th minute uh, to symbolise the £55 cheapest ticket uh, that is on sale on Saturday. If you're nowhere near a banner, uh, then hold up your flyer. It it says Stop the Greed on it. It's pretty clear. And um, get involved in the Stop the Greed chant as well. We're going to try and get that going. Um, Don Betts is on a mission Uh, so 55 minutes is when we're going to display them during the game but of course 
don't feel you don't need to sit with it underneath underneath your legs you can uh, you can get involved at any time but that's the <laughs> moment uh, where we're going to try uh, and get involved uh, no doubt uh, we'll probably be about seven nil down by that point so just realized we probably should have done a uh, stop the greed clappers that might have got uh, that might have been fun yeah well everyone loves a clapper at Fulham <laughs> so uh we, we do have a little bit of spare budget left so maybe we should get some uh, stop the greed clappers as well but yeah please do uh get involved on saturday and, and thank you for humoring us while we whittled on about the subject uh we're going to take a short break afterwards uh we're going to discuss all things city hello i'm Breda hangelin and you are listening to the fulhamish podcast hello and welcome back to fulhamish extra sammy james here with farrell monk hello so we've done enough wittering on about ticket prices. Probably best that we look ahead to the challenge that we face against Man City on Saturday. It's interesting looking at the form for these two teams, if you see it on on, on a form table. If you look at the last five games, uh, Fulham's is LLLLL and Man City's is WWWW. Uh, so it's looking positive for Fulham to get one, uh, get a good result uh, in this game on on Saturday. It kind of goes without saying that it's going to be a ridiculously tough test for Fulham, and I don't personally hold much hope, sadly. Well, you know, the the, the last game against Liverpool, we we went there with a little bit of pressure off us uh, and performed quite well. You know, we've got that that f- mythical new manager bounce going we seem to be playing more positively we seem to be playing with a bit more freedom and playing our players in the right position which is just totally startling to me under the Ranieri era um and hopefully you know Manchester City might be able to just not expect that as much they have been obviously performing quite well they haven't been running over teams as much as they have done they obviously mowed down our near neighbours 6-0 with, with ease. But I mean, they did beat Schalke 7-0 the other day. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> in, in but we're no Schalke. We're yeah. no Schalke. Um, no, we're, in more, we're in about as much relegation trouble as them, though. They're, they're, I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of issues, Schalke, as well, yeah. off the pitch as well. They, maybe they should jo- maybe they come over and join in the protest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like Fulham have got any injury worries coming coming out of the international break, uh, hopefully with the with the second ties to be played this this coming days um you know i still hope that fulham can cause manchester city problems but it's going to be an absolute tough ask they'll dominate possession they'll win the ball high they'll punish us i mean they are probably the best team in the league at punishing um punishing opponents and they're so strong defensively well yeah i mean they've been on scintillating form they really really have a few tight games so i know what you mean i mean um the west ham game uh at home they, they won it one nil it took uh a, a second half aguero goal to be the difference the bournemouth game's an interesting one because it was only one nil mm. but i've never seen a more dominant one yeah. nil in my entire life i don't think bournemouth had a shot at all not just on target they didn't have a shot and, and they didn't score two own goals. What was yeah. that about? And I don't think they even... Con- uh, Man City didn't even concede a corner in the game. And I think Bournemouth had only 18% possession. Well, maybe we can go for that record then. Should we get 17 or below? Well, possession? maybe. I think ultimately, though, that day, Eddie Howe 
was trying to play it smart. Yeah. He was trying to go 11 men behind the ball and frustrate Man City. And and it can frustrate Man City when you do that. Sometimes they do struggle to break teams down that go really, really defensively. Newcastle did a sterling job back in February and I still believe that was one of the results for me that was one of the most crushing this season because it came mm. on the same night as that Brighton win. And I remember thinking... My God, even when we've caught a break, we haven't really because at the time Newcastle were probably the team we were gunning mm. for and we just expected them to get a hammering off of off of Man City. Um, do you think this is one of the best teams in English football history? Because I can't think of too many, apart from obviously that treble winning year from United. But I mean, these guys, they could win the quadruple, which is which is nuts. Yeah, I've never seen a team punish other teams like Man City do. They very, very rarely miss a good chance. Yeah. When they have an opportunity to score, they, they take it, which is, I mean, we Fulham could certainly learn a lesson or two from them. Um, and, you know, even when you've got the superstars in the, the top, th- you know, those top three positions of Aguero, who is definitely so underrated as, a, as one of the Premier League's all-time greatest goal scorers. And then you've got Sterling, who is, you know, still so young and... Un- he was unbel- brilliant. I was, I was at the game on Friday where he scored hat-trick against Czech Republic and his movement and his intelligence and his finishing as well has just... is. is- increased so much in about a space of a year or two Guardiola's had an incredible effect yeah he's he's an unbelievable footballer and you know England are certainly lucky to have him and if if anyone thinks otherwise they need their head checked and then on the other side they've got Leroy Sané who is probably one of the best dribblers of the football I've seen in in recent memory he moves the ball so quickly when you think he's going one way he's gone the next and all of a sudden he's he's in behind you um and you know and then off them they've got David Silva who just seems to get even better with age. Yeah. Um, his his movement in and around the box is unbelievable. I mean, you, I mean, it's going to be an obviously a tough game to watch from a Fulham fan's point of view, but just enjoy it, like watching the other team play. And you know, people are talking about how oh, the championship will be more fun next year. We might win some more games, but you know, I enjoy the fact that I'm seeing Fulham up against these absolute megastars here. Growing up watching Fulham in the third division is is an absolute far cry from what you know what we're seeing, and it's an it's an absolute pleasure sometimes to watch these to sometimes watch these superstars come to Craven Cottage, and it's something to actually enjoy sometimes. You know, there might be you might scoff at that and think I'm not a real Fulham fan, but you know when when you think about where Fulham have come from to where they are now, I'm still enjoying it. I I you know certainly take a one or draw against Manchester City on on Saturday than a 6-0 versus Burton any day of the week. Interesting. I'm not sure I fully agree on that. I think I would go with the 6-0 because I'd rather Fulham win no matter who the opponents are. But I do get it. And, and that's part of the thing when people say, oh, what's the value of, of being in the Premier League? It is seeing your football club cut it against the very, very best opponents in the world. But just sometimes a byproduct of that is you can have a season like we're having. Yeah. Um, but as I always say, uh, finishing... Um, if you think finishing 19th in the uh, in the Premier League is bad, try it when you finish 23rd in the Championship. It's just as equally depressing, mm. if not more. Um, Fulham made quite a few changes for that game against Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks ago, and mm, some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, you got, you had Callum Chambers back at back at centre back. You had Timothy Fosu Mensah. Uh, 
at right back uh would you would you keep with any of those changes you had Anguissa in the middle who put in a man of the match performance from Fulham's perspective uh in, in that game and also Floyd Aite in the side as well is there um any changes that you'd make from that lineup um not I, the only one I probably would make is reintroducing Sessignon for Aite I don't think Aite was as effective starting uh against Liverpool as opposed to when he came on at half-time against Leicester. He was certainly brighter, and I don't think Leicester were uh, prepared for that against Liverpool, which is obviously going to be a much diff- much more difficult task um, coming up against the full-backs of, of, of Liverpool as opposed to, to Leicester. And maybe it's it's worthy of, of giving Sessignon that nod and seeing if Aite will make more of an impact off the bench there. But apart from the other ones, I thought, TFM performances was was encouraging. I thought Chambers back at centre back was was solid and and if yet unsup- um, unsurprising um, because he's been on great form leading up into uh, leading up to before before the uh, Liverpool game. I think the re- the real lovely one is Anguissa because I think he he's really shown his his quality. Um, against Liverpool, he was absolutely outstanding and one of the one of the better players on the pitch, not just in Fulham colours but also in Liverpool. Um, you know, some of those stats from the game just just really really highlight those. Um, you know, he had the most passes in the in the Fulham team. He had the most successful dribbles um, in in the uh, in the Fulham team, but also he equaled the most in the Liverpool team, which was Robert, Roberto Firmino. And one's a holding midfielder, and the other one. Is uh, is Anguissa, um, <laughs> um, you know? So I think that that person, and if his if his form is back and his confidence is back, he can real make a real uh, impact against Manchester City. But you know, he's now coming up against uh, Fernandinho and Kevin De Bruyne in the centre mid positions, or Bernardo Silva even, who yeah. are. I think it's nice though, and, and uh, my dad's made this point to me a couple of times about how now Fulham are down, he doesn't see any value in persisting with our loan players he thinks that if they're not going to be here next season then surely we should be prioritizing players that are going to be at the club next season in order to give them some match time in in preparation and I, i i kind of agree to a point although actually i think fulham picking up some form in the final six games is actually what's most important no matter who's doing it on the pitch and Fulham making this season respectable and and picking up a few wins and a bit of confidence is the most important thing no matter who's on the pitch but I do kind of see that but on the flip of that so so therefore seeing someone like Anguissa who I'm pretty certain is going to be here next season and whilst I can see a player like Seri going back I think Anguissa will remain at the club I don't have any intel on that apart from that I know that Tony Khan has said that he wants to keep hold of all the players that are currently contracted to Fulham and, and Anguissa is one of the longest contracted to Fulham. So it's nice to see him um, playing and and I think if we can get his confidence up and get him up to speed with the Premier League, then when he hits the Championship next season, I think he could be an absolute um, tour de force. So I'm, I'm excited by Anguissa and, and his good game against Liverpool, although it must be checked a little bit there was a couple of tweets from the club as if we had just re-signed Ronaldinho um, and whilst I think it's good to praise our players I think we should maybe temper it with the fact it was just one game and, and I think he's got still got a lot more to prove before I think he's um, fully 
repaid some of the value. I remember Steve Marley had a few good games, but ultimately was a flop. So I just want to temper <laughs> that a little bit. I think he can be a great player for us, but I think some of the reaction was a little bit overblown. Well, yeah, I do I do take your points. I think the the one real comparison for me was was the League Cup game against Millwall early in the season. And Millwall are a decent championship club, as, as we have seen in the last couple of seasons. They obviously took... Um, Brighton all the all the way to to the end of extra time pretty much um well to penalties even yeah. you know they're a decent championship club and that league cup game earlier on the season where we played them Anguissa it was it was almost unfair that Anguissa was playing again was was playing them yeah you know I was like oh put them out of their misery mm. take him off they must have thought oh god I can't believe they've they've played him on the pitch and you know I I do I do get his point about maybe we should play the players that will be here next season. Yeah. But, I mean, this is going to sound absolutely fanciful, but as long as there is a mathematical chance that we can stay up, we, are, we should play our best players. And if there is a chance that those those amazing players are going to be here next season, then we, we got to take that opportunity because it's it's not every time that you're you're able to play a Brian Ruiz in the championship. But watching Brian Ruiz in the championship was, again, almost unfair for the opposition. Um, and if we can have Anguissa or Seri or or some of the other better players that we've got this season at our disposal in the championship, then... But that's know. the point. That's why you shouldn't necessarily play the lone players because mm. you want to keep the ones on side that are contracted because there is no chance that Timothy Fossumenser or Callum Chambers are going to be here next season and the club have even gone out their way to say that mm. well I think that's just an added bonus apart from the fact that there is a minute possibility that Fulham might stay up this season <laughs> and also the fact that if if we have good form going into that championship season and yeah um, that's that's the one yeah, thing and and also the fact that it might you know present like a good news thing you know if we want Scott Parker to do a good job yeah. you know it, it's not beyond the rounds possibility that he will be our manager next season and he'll have the confidence going into it to be like, look, there is good news here. It might be able to tempt some of those lone players to come back. It might tempt some of those those good players to stay. It might tempt really good championship players to come to Fulham. It might mm. tempt players like Oliver Norwood, who's absolutely doing bits for Sheffield United at the moment, yeah, to is. come back to Fulham. So, you know, as opposed to a Felix Magat situation where we weren't on particularly good form going into the championship, he decided I'm going to get rid of every single player regardless of how good they are and get get unknowns in yeah. to try and play. So, you know, I, I, I see the value in, in trying to play our best players, including the lone ones. All right, well, let's get uh, a City perspective on Saturday's match. Uh, I spoke to Dave Mooney from the very well-respected Blue Moon podcast. David, how are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, thanks. All, uh, all going well this season, so uh, so pretty happy with the way things are at the minute. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you'll be looking at your running, and you know, it's it's a difficult running for, for Man City, of course. However, this is probably not one of the games that you're too worried about on Saturday. I mean, is there any chance of a slip-up, or are a City fans 100% confident that you'll be coming away with three points? The games where... The teams like City and Liverpool this season have have slipped up, and the games where you think, oh, it's, it's nailed on certainty that they're, that they'll, that's take three points from that one. So bizarrely, coming off the back of an international break where City have gone into it with all this momentum, having you know closed the gap at the top of the table, gone back ahead on level games, and then you know fallen behind again because Liverpool played a game more. Um, having all of that 
from Christmas to now having that international break, just you know, slap bang in the middle of the of the running. There's the chance that they come off this international break and things aren't quite oiled as, as well as they were, and you know all it needs is a deflection here and a little slip there. And listen, I'm a I'm a City fan from from the old days. I remember playing you lot at, at Craven Cottage in '98, '99, and you, we turned up there as promotion favourites and, like, and, and favourites to go and win the league in uh, in Division Two. And you battered us three 0 So I'm not uh, I, I don't count any chickens at this stage. Even as much money as City has spent, the quality of football they're playing and the the, the players they've got you. Uh, you, uh, you can never take your eye off the ball, I find, because when you do, that's when you slip up. It's been uh, a bit of a weird season for Man City. You seem to have lost a little bit of that invincibility at times, and you had that really dodgy spell uh, around Christmas and also a little bit into January. But uh, they always say that the key to these things is getting in form at the right time. And that feels very much like what City are doing at the moment. Just while Liverpool have been stuttering a little bit, Man City have just been ruthless in the past couple of months. So that must have been particularly enjoyable because there must have been a point where you maybe thought, oh, are Liverpool going to run away with this? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd pretty much took the towel in. Um, ahead of that Liverpool game on the proviso that Liverpool would beat City at the Etihad. And if that happened, then I think, I mean, I'm, I, my memory's not that great, but I think the table would have, uh, I think there have been 11 points between the two on level games at the, at the start of January. Uh, Liverpool obviously wouldn't have lost the game uh, at that point in the season. You, you kind of thinking at that stage, well, we've had two chances to beat Liverpool here and we haven't done it. We can't then rely on everybody else to go and do it and then win all of our games when, you know, the, the form book says that he won't go to the end of the season and win all the games. As it happens, they, uh, you know, after that game, they lost at Newcastle. Well, that's the only defeat since then. And I think, off the top of my head, I think they've won every other game uh, since then. So it just, it, it, that kind of, that air of invincibility has been around City for the last few weeks. It's certainly not been there all season. You look at, like you say, the Christmas period where um, they they had a couple of injuries and they just they just did not deal with Fernandinho being injured for uh, for, for those games against Leicester and Palace. And so they they had that that kind of tricky uh, tricky Christmas period. But after that, it's been it's they've been back to their best. Um, I actually think they've been a little bit below par, if par is um, kind of the right word for it, because the standard they set last season was extraordinary. I wouldn't have expected them to hit that standard this season. But they it feels like there has been a step down from that this year. That being said, you know, they're still on 74 points and they're still, you know, they've only dropped points in six games this season. So they're, they're not playing badly. It's just that they're not that, they're not the same team that got 100 points last year. I think they're better in some respects, but I think they, they look a little bit weaker in, uh, in other areas. And, and especially when Fernandinho is out, as he is at the moment. Um, they they do look a little bit more susceptible to the odd upset. Whenever I do these uh, preview chats with a with a you know, fan from the opposition, I often ask a question like, "Oh, who should Fulham uh, who should Fulham fans look out for, or who's your key <laughs> man, or who's your danger man?" But it seems kind of redundant when you're doing these kind of chats, against, especially against Man City. One player I wanted to home in on though has been is Raheem Sterling. Obviously, he was brilliant for England in both games, and obviously in very difficult circumstances uh, in Montenegro for Raheem, and he's just been exceptional for you all season he had plenty of detractors though up until this season uh, and, and still kind of does to, to some intents and purposes what has been 
the trick from Guardiola to transform Raheem Sterling into a good player who sometimes would fade in and out of games and often lacked a real sense of composure to this deadly, deadly force that is pretty much one of your few guaranteed starters each week if he's fit. Yeah, he, uh, Sterling's my favourite player at the moment. He, for certainly since I've seen him at City, um, especially under Guardiola more than more than Pellegrini, he's been the, the kind of, I don't want to say Mr. Reliable, because he certainly wasn't that in his early days, but he's become that at this stage now. And he's, you know, it all goes back to uh, to a story. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if Fulham fans will be will be aware of this sort of story. It did make the, pra- the the papers, but again, like there's there's no reason for you to to see it or to go out and uh, and find it. Um, but when Guardiola took over um, in City in in 2016, um, they, the England had obviously just come off the back of that that horrid um, uh, Euro 2016 campaign and. I think Raheem Sterling was really kind of he was really being targeted um, with a lot of abuse from from the stands ahead of that tournament and especially after it. Um, Guardiola is is understood to have sent him a text message. Uh, he'd not yet taken over as City manager. Pellegrini had just left, and City were in that limbo in between the uh, the, the two kind of regime changes. Um, and Guardiola said to have sent Sterling a text that said something along the lines of. Um, ignore what they're saying. Fight for me, and I'll fight for you. And ever since that moment, Sterling has just—he's looked full of confidence, and he's—he's he's always been the one that's been willing to, to to take the initiative in games. And now City are really reaping the rewards of that. I, you know, I, I got asked a few weeks ago um, what's made him so good in this team, and you know, you stick a man on Leroy Sane, you stick a man on Bernardo Silva, and you stick a man on Aguero to an extent. They can follow them round and just make sure that they're not in the game. City have usually got enough then for somebody else to come along and do the business. But stick a man on Raheem Sterling, he still finds his way into the box and into space and he still drifts into all these big little pockets on the edge of the box. He gets, I don't want to say criticism, but he, you know, a lot of his detractors will say, oh, he only ever, he only ever scores tap-ins. And you know, it's no coincidence that he's always unmarked inside the six-yard box when it comes to it, when it falls there. He, he's become a master at just being able to drop the shoulder one way and you know take a step the other and suddenly find himself with five yards of space and room to, to plant it in the net. And you know, I'd, I'd like to sit here and say that that tapping has become the, the, the typical Raheem Sterling goal, but it hasn't. The one the one that he's scoring more often than not at the minute is cutting in from the left-hand side on the edge of the box and, and, and just pinging it towards the far corner of the net. And you know, the number of late goals he scored last season, City's City's hundred points last season was built on rescuing games in the in the last few minutes that they were either drawing or losing. And you know, I, just off the top of my head, there was the, the the famous one is against Southampton at the Etihad, where it's about the ninety seventh minute. But he you know he did it at Huddersfield, he did it at Bournemouth. You know, there, there were so many goals that he scored in the last ten minutes. And I was saying it all the way through the World Cup when England took Sterling off in the World Cup. It always felt like they didn't have that that kind of. That that's something extra. That's something different that that he can bring, and I think for for a long time City fans have been saying this about him, and it's finally starting to come home. And we we, we saw it with England over the last two internationals. He is one of the the figureheads of that England team, and he's now one of the one of the key players. And you know, if I was Guardiola, he would be my first name on the team sheet every week, just simply for what he adds to the team.
Well, that was kind of going to be my next question is who is uh, your most important player? But you've kind of answered that with Raheem Sterling and I'm not too surprised to hear that from you. So, um, David, you're, you're Scott Parker on Saturday, imagine, and you're trying to work out, OK, I've got one of the best teams in the world coming to Craven Cottage. Um, I've lost seven games in a row and it's it's a difficult situation uh what would you try and do given your extensive knowledge of man city in order to try and stem the bleeding that is inevitably gonna happen what's the best way for fulham to approach this other teams get a lot of criticism for this uh bournemouth got a fair bit and, and west ham got a fair bit when they did this but it, it kind of works. Uh, the, the, the best tactic I find to, to play against City is, weirdly, let them have the ball. So just just accept that you're not going to have possession and, and, and let City have it. And then drop deep and hold your shape. Hold, hold your shape with a, with a back five. And what that does is it forces City to, to play it around the edge of the box again and again and again. Now, obviously, you, you leave yourself open to, to the pot shot from range that could find its way into the net. But they're more, they're more unlikely than the, than the tap-ins. The tap-ins are, are the goals that City specialise in. So you just cannot give them any space on the, on the corners of the box, uh, down the flanks, and especially don't let them drift into the, into the middle unmarked. Because when teams have played with that back five, what City can't do is suddenly switch play very quickly. They, what they like to do is drag everybody over to one side of the pitch. Two passes later, the ball's on the far side with Bernardo Silva or it's on the, the, the left with Raheem Sterling. And all of a sudden, everybody else is still on the other side of the pitch and they've got five, ten yards to work with. That allows them to get into the box. That allows you know, Pack to set in in the middle and then two or three players to find space for the, for the low ball across. And the teams that have dropped deep and, and not given City those, those opportunities on the flanks, Newcastle did it. Crystal Palace did it. They both worked very well on it, and it uh, and it and it won the uh, won the games for them. Chelsea did it in the League Cup final, and and while Chelsea didn't go on to win the final, there was at no point certainly after about kind of sixty minutes or so that I was sitting there at Wembley thinking, well, you know what, City going to get a breakthrough here. It felt very much like the game was just going to keep going, and City could play all day and not score. So as long as you kind of disciplined and hold that shape, you've got a good chance. Whether it's to get a point or whether it's to get three points, you know, at this stage of the season, the form will be will be desperate for the three points. But anything you can get, I suppose, is a bonus at this stage in a in a game like this. And you know, I I don't know Fulham's personnel that well, but from from the games that you that you played at the Etihad earlier this season, you were trying to get the ball down and play football, and just City will. Absolutely love it if you try to do that because it will just leave too much space for them to, to work with. If City can get the ball back quickly when, when, when teams do that, then they can score a hatful. All right, so Scott Parker needs to order himself a big fat red bus uh, to yeah. park, uh, park across the Hammersmith end uh, on Saturday. Um, David, there's there's a ticket movement happening on Saturday that we've been chatting about for ages on this podcast. Uh, it's called Stop the Greed, and Fulham fans very upset by some of the ticketing uh, policy that we've seen uh, from the club this year, in particularly home tickets and, and the price of the cheapest home ticket. So the, the cheapest ticket on Saturday is going to be £55. If you were to sit in the kind of neutral area that is next to those City fans, it, it's 60 uh, for behind the goal seats. And actually, when we were doing a price comparison of other clubs, Man City was one of the very few, only two clubs, uh, that had cheapest tickets more expensive than Fulham's. Um, 
I wanted to kind of get your perspective on on the ticket prices at Man City because it's a situation that must be slightly difficult because you know you compete at a different level to us even though you are um, in name in the same division as as us you aren't really and you're competing in European football and potentially going to go very nearly all the way in, in European football so what is the general view from City fans and then kind of what's your view because at the end of the day you might be watching better football, but it's not like Man City fans are earning any more money than, than Fulham fans in order to, to, to fund this. So so what's the kind of feeling from the top? Yeah, um, I, I this won't be a quick answer because my position on ticket prices is very much, I wouldn't say very much at odds with the rest of City fans. It's at odds with a lot of City fans. Um, I... Uh, I'm with you guys. I think football is too expensive, and I think the the idea that because City are winning more games doesn't mean that you should suddenly have to pay more for for the ticket and the the entry. I get the kind of market demands. I get that you know City are much more. The idea of going to watch City is much more appealing now than it was in 2006 when they couldn't win a game for love and money. So I, I get that kind of aspect. But equally, my wages haven't gone up in the, the the same proportion as the ticket prices have in that in that time. Most city fans city city kind of struggle because they come from the same city as United. And that isn't to say that uh, you know that in terms of uh, size of club or anything like that, it just it, it just is a it, it's a thing. It's a big problem. United were got big in the nineties when there was suddenly a lot more money in football and suddenly football became this global brand that it is now. They got big at the right time. And there the demand went up. And I think that the problem that City have is that they're trying to compete on that level with their kind of business dealings and they want to bring in the same sorts of ticket revenue. But the problem that they have is that a lot of the fans come from the city Manchester that is generally working class. And we're at a stage now where I, I have friends who I work with on the Blue Moon podcast and I you know I go to the game with that will sit there and go, well, I'm not going to the Champions League this week because I can't afford it. And it's absolutely balmy that we've got into a position where those fans who were giving their money to, to the club, you know, back when City were playing Fulham in the third tier and, and they were, you know, scoring 10 home league goals all season under Stuart Pearce, that they they don't get the reward of being able to go and see the Champions League because they have to make a decision of whether they're going to, you know, go to this game or that game because they look at the paycheck at the end of the month and go, well, you know, I've got a family to feed and I've got a house to keep and I, I, I just can't do it. There's, we've tried a few times with uh, one of the websites that I used to write for, Typical City, and uh, again with Blue Moon Podcast, to try and get some sort of momentum behind this and to, to get people to realise this. But ultimately, City fans generally... There's a lot of apathy about it. There's a lot of ticket price apathy there. And there's there's one thing that City do, and uh, and in fairness to the club, do quite well, is that there is a season ticket option for £299. And they market that as you know, 300 quid to come and see, effectively, last season, the champions who broke all these records. That's great value for money. What they don't tell you, kind of on the on the face of that, is that you you don't get to pick your seat. They they pick the seat for you, so it's it, they, they'll move you around the stadium based on, on what's sold and what's not sold. And there's so few of those available that actually, you, when you start to look at other season ticket options, you have to move around the stadium to get better deals here, there, and everywhere. And it's just it just feels very much in this era where where football is is 
richer than it's ever been. It's only going to get richer. There's no that there's no way that that the money in the game is going to start to slow down at this stage. You look at the TV deals that are coming in. You look at the number of commercial partners that City have. Why are ticket prices going up by ten quid? Why why does the club need to take an extra ten pounds per per fan that goes this season compared to last season? There's there's absolutely no sense in it. And all it does is. You know, for for want of a better phrase, is, is piss off all the people that have been watching this great football all season. And yet, despite all that, there's so many City fans that will, will look at it and go, "Yeah, but for the quality of player we're watching, that's what that that's the price you have to pay." And I'm very much in the camp of, "Well, no, it's not the price you have to pay because if it keeps going like this, I'm not going to be able to go anymore." And there'll be people that 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 go, "Well, actually, I've already stopped going because I can't afford it." And I just think that there needs to be some sort of combined action with it. You know, City fans are, are generally not very good at getting behind these sorts of campaigns, whether it was a, an entire Premier League thing. I mean, you, you look at Liverpool a few years ago, they uh, they, they staged the walkout when uh, ticket prices were going up and they successfully got ticket prices to stay down for the, the following season. You know, we proposed that for uh, City's Champions League game against PSG uh, in 2006. 16. They uh, they were on the way to the semi-finals that year in the in the Champions League, and the response generally that, that that we got was, well, we can't walk out when the team needs our support. And my answer to that was always, well, if the team needs our support that badly, why are they why are they charging more and more and more for it? You know, so it it, it just there's, they'll hit a point soon where there's a saturation, and already. I don't, you know, I, I don't like to buy into this whole empty had sort of thing because City generally don't struggle to sell the stadium. It's it's pretty pretty much full for most weeks, but there will come a point where that no longer happens, and that's because, that'll be because the prices have gone up and the the fan base or the kind of local fan base will start to make decisions about whether they're going to buy a ticket or not. And you know, we're, I feel like we're on the cusp of that happening soon, and. Yeah, I can only I can only really see one way the prices are going. I'll, let me put it this way: I'll be the, the the money coming into the game for next season with more TV deals and 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 the like. Most clubs will freeze or reduce ticket prices. I I suspect City will be uh, will do the very bare minimum, which will be either freeze it or raise it only slightly. I I do not see in any way, shape, or form City lowering their prices for next season. Well, do wish you luck in uh, in pushing that agenda if uh, mm-hmm. if that ever does come up again. And um, certainly, I think Fulham fans have taken to it with open arms, but maybe slightly differing circumstances within the club. Um, David, just quickly, uh, what is your prediction for Saturday? Uh, will uh, Will Man City be putting the pressure back on Liverpool, or do you sense that there's a chance of an upset? There's always a chance of an upset. I don't want to, to come across as, as as arrogant, but maybe I'm going to. Most uh, fans have this I, season, I just, so. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just feel at this stage, City has been under Guardiola at least at this stage of the season very good at getting the job done when they need to get it done. It might not be pretty. It might not be you know the the, the sort of uh, you, Fulham fans might come away from this game thinking, well, actually, City weren't that special, but I I, I suspect City will get the job done. I'm going to go for a three-one. Well, well, David, thank you very much for being on Fulhamish today. No problem at all. Well, thank you very much to Dave Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast. If you have any City friends or family, make sure they check it out. Uh, He does exceptional work. I mean, true. He he writes books. I think he wrote a book recently on the, I think, 97 or 98 playoff final when they beat Gillingham. 
um, and they beat uh, sorry and he met every one of those uh, players that played in that side and released a special book and special podcast so he does some incredible work on, on Man City so if you haven't checked out uh, Dave then make sure you do because uh, he's really dedicated and one of those Man City fans that kind of reluctantly accepts their situation now as as a, a kind of top tier football club really and and but was very much there in the days before all the money and and all of the success and and there are lots of city fans out there like Dave there are also lots of city fans that aren't like that but hmm. um I think it's always important to remember that I, I still see Man City as a club quite similar to to our own much for, for years and years in the shadows of, of their more illustrious neighbours, but far more of a real and community club about them than than some of their neighbours. Mm, yeah, I, I I remember that um, City Gillingham playoff final. It's a very famous one. But yeah, where, you know, it could have been a very different history for Manchester City because uh, in the game uh, at Wem at the old Wembley was um, Gillingham were two 0 up going into injury time, and I think it was Horlock and Dickov who got the uh, the, um, did you remember that from memory? Yes, I did actually. Because yeah. I, I, I watched. Um, I was watching a lot of the uh, over the summer. Do you know, on Sky Sports, they do the um, they do the recaps. They do recaps of like old playoff finals in, in gone by, and that's like one of the more famous ones. Yeah, actually, and I think Man City went on to to win on penalties. Yeah, up there with the uh, the Charlton Sunderland game was it oh, four yeah. four and then Clive Mendonca won it on penalties for for Charlton I yeah. believe yeah that's one as well yeah that's an absolute classic as much as I loved our playoff final it did have a lot in it but it certainly didn't have goals like some of those play- great playoff finals from the past although I did think our, I watched back our playoff final not too long ago and it, it does have a lot in it yeah there was that that was that amazing Twitter thread that someone did I, I, the, the name forgets me where he picked out highlights from uh, the, from the, the game, and they they are sensational highlights. There's there's one fantastic moment toward, towards the end of the game. I think it was the 77th minute where Tom Kearney decides to take on every single player yes. in, in a Villa shirt. But it, it's something that won't make the highlights package because there's no chances that came from it. But it it just shows how what a performance it was from our captain. Yeah, that 77th minute back to goals. And he was able to relieve the pressure for a good two, three minutes or so, take the ball up the pitch, away from our goal. Um, and, you know, that's absolutely priceless. And it's something that should be lauded for, for years and years and years. I had an argument with a mate of mine who's a Scotland fan earlier about why Tom Kearney wasn't in the Scotland <laughs> squad. And he said the words to me, I think Stuart Armstrong is better. And I was just like, right, okay. <laughs> Do me a favour. You deserve everything that's coming your way. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening to Fulhamish Extra today. Um, as we said earlier, please do um, help out with Stop the Greed on Saturday. Uh, to avoid having egg on our faces, uh, it would be really helpful uh, if we did make this into something quite big because otherwise uh, it's going to uh, not <laughs> look that great but uh, and not get the impact that we want, uh, most importantly. So um, we'd really appreciate your help. As Farrell said, if you want to volunteer 10.30 at the Johnny Haynes statue, uh, please do help us give out one of the 10,000 flyers that are currently occupying my front living room. Just just to highlight, you know, this isn't just about us two sitting across the table and some other people that we're helping out. Helping out. This is about your football club here and this will hopefully impact our fo- our football club 
for a long, long time for the better. Yeah, precisely. So uh, keep an eye out uh, for Fulhamish on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll keep posting updates on there. And Fulhamish will return uh, next Monday. Uh, we'll be looking back at everything that happens with Stop the Greed and also, of course, the Man City game. Uh, Jack's going to be your host. Jack's going to be your host, actually, for the next few weeks. Uh, I start a new job, which unfortunately... Uh, requires me to work on Monday evenings. How blooming selfish of them. So uh, I will be back uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, I'm sure Jack will do uh, a much better job uh, in the hosting chair than I will anyway. So uh, thank you very much for listening today and thank you very much to Farrell for joining me. Thank you very much. See you on Saturday. Stop the greed. Come on, you wise. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. <laughs>